0: John Podcast Network.
1: Just saying, I don't think I've been.
0: Um, do I have what's in the news recently? Nothing good. No, that's true.
1: <laughs> it's been pretty bleak.
0: Yeah, a lot of bad stuff. We can't absolutely can't start. I mean, any episode on of our comedy movie discussion podcast with. All downer news. But especially not this one. Yeah. Because this is a this is a very upbeat movie. It was a good happy upbeat time at the movies, I guess.
1: I mean as happy and upbeat as a rendition of Phantom of the Opera gets, which is,
0: you know Is it Phantom of the Opera?
1: It's a blend of a couple of things.
0: It sure is. Yeah. It's Phantom of the Opera. It's Faust, obviously. Yes. And it's a little bit of Portrait of Dorian Gray and bit. just a tiny bit of Rocky Horror.
1: And just a antsy bit of Casco Amontillado. Yes, they there is a brief, of...
0: a smidge. It's fucking yeah. Salt Bay, Casco Amontillado. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a melange of story elements that all work together somehow. And the continuous little rug pulls of like... Just when you think you get kind of what it is, it's like, and now it's you know, yeah, yeah now and it's now it's this, now it's Dorian Gray, okay. and now, now it's Casca Amontillado. Right. Like everything, it just makes it better. It doesn't make it worse. Right? It doesn't get it doesn't yeah. get stupid. It doesn't get silly. Mm-hmm. It's already stupid and silly, but in a good way. Like,
1: well, it's campy.
0: Oh yeah, it is.
1: And so, like that, by nature, is a little silly, a little you know, a little cheeky.
0: Spend some time across the pond.
1: Oh, cheeky, cheeky. Oh, naughty, sneaky. <laughs> is that a... I think it's something in a Brian Eno song.
0: Mm. That sounds like him. Yeah. That weirdo. Yeah. Love that guy. Yeah. But we're not talking... Although we're not far off. But we're not talking about Brian Eno tonight. No. It's a, this is a rare nighttime Hate Watch Great Watch recording.
1: Yeah. So, we're a little bit sleepy. I
0: okay. never sleep. And therefore, I'm always the same level of tired. It just depends on how caffeinated I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad at sleeping. Never have been good at it since I was a child. Mm -hmm. That's why I did so, I won't say poorly, but I will say weirdly, in school. Yes. Um, Because I would stay up until about three hours before I had to get up for school, and then I would sleep for, like, three hours. Then I'd get up for school, and go to school, and come home, and then sleep.
1: You also would, like, stay up late and watch all those, like, weirdo movies and, Mm -hmm. like tv show like
0: yeah you know. i would my you know after a while when my mom realized this was my like circadian rhythm and you know my mom is she's been on the show you've heard her <laughs> she's uh, she's an oddball she's you know at least like no super normal she's like two-thirds hippie you know yeah. so she was just like oh this is my my child's natural like
1: i feel like two-thirds is conservative
0: that's the only thing conservative about her <laughs> but you know she was like this is my child's like natural biological rhythm i'm not gonna like super fight it because yeah. that can't be healthy so she was just like, as long as you're doing your homework and everything, like she would yeah, she'd be she like, Hey, I left dinner in the oven, heat it up, eat it, I'm going to bed, I have work in the morning or whatever and I'd be like, Okay. Yeah. And then I would stay up all night and I would watch old movies and reruns of talk shows and things and I would do my homework mm-hmm. and then I would like write.
2: Yeah.
0: And then I'd be like, Oh, it's like five AM. I should go to sleep. And then I'd go to sleep and get up at like eight thirty and go to school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Plus, by that time, so we had like metal detectors installed at the school. So like, you know, school started at like whatever. Right, there
1: was always a line for the metal detectors. Yeah, like I nine. Happened to me too.
0: Yeah, like school started at, like nine or whatever. But like, you didn't always get in the school till like nine thirty, nine forty, depending on how long it was. Mm-hmm. So I kind of slouch in pretty late.
1: <laughs> for me, you had Cause... to be in line to get like a card that you were there on time. Whereas before, they had the metal detectors. My last name is towards the end of the alphabet, right? Right, right. So as long as I rolled into homeroom before they called me, you were I good. had yeah. So then this thing changed and I got boned, and then they kept calling my house saying I was tardy.
0: Like you went to a better high school than me, though.
1: Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. And
0: How, real quick, pop quiz: How many prison cells did your school have in the basement?
1: Oh boy,
0: was it none? Yeah, yeah, it was none. Mine had several. Yeah. Just in case things got out of hand. Now, I never knew anybody to be putting them, but the school did have them. Yeah. We're not talking about any of this. So, yeah, we're doing a high school movie. Uh, We're doing (laughs) Dangerous Minds. Um, We're both sitting backwards. Coolio is here in spirit. R.I.P. We're not talking about high school. Yes. Right. I'm talking about college. No. We're talking. We are talking about the arts. I mean, a. We're talking about film, so of course we're talking about the arts. Yeah, but we're talking no, about I'm... a film about the arts.
1: Yes. Yeah. About music. About,
0: about the, music the music industry.
1: industry. Kind of sounds like it's the Apple again, but it's not.
0: It's not. But boy, howdy.
1: <laughs> but boy, are they uh, spiritual siblings in some ways.
0: Yeah, I man. I mean, we definitely mentioned this film on the Apple episode, I believe.
1: If we didn't, we should have. <laughs> Oh, I think we did. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, is this the second um, Brian De Palma film that we're doing?
0: It is. We did one previous. I'll get to that.
1: Couldn't yeah. think of a
0: bit. I Maybe if I had like a little more time to really think about it and to brainstorm, like tomorrow I'm going in for dental work, right? Mm-hmm. And like, they're going to be doing shit. And I always just let my, I try to throw my consciousness out of my body as hard as I can while they're doing sure. that because it's incredibly uncomfortable physically and...
1: It's like the shower principle, but with torture. Psychically.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs> and like, not that my dentist is bad. He's great. But no. so I throw my mind out of, you know, my body as hard as I can. I usually write songs and they're not good. But I was like, oh, maybe if we were recording after tomorrow, I could have come up with just like a random couple of bits to try out. But well, you know the what's time.
1: funny is you talking about Teeth. terrible dental work. Oh, I know. It kind of does tie into the movie It well. ties in, but it's not a bit. Okay. Yeah.
0: I guess this is the anti-bit bit it's it's we're post comedy on this on this comedy podcast (laughs) also like i said it's late at night so i'm gonna try not to be as loud as i usually am hello excellent humans welcome to another late night edition of hate watch great watch if you're new to the podcast we're doing 1974's phantom of the paradise by brian de palma rated pg
1: yeah, which I find surprising, because there's a lot of instabbing and electrocution. and.
0: It's very cartoony, though.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, fair.
0: And it has a runtime, just for those that keep track of the stuff which I've been doing recently, oh, yeah. of one hour and 31 minutes, boy. You gotta so, love it. Yeah. How much it fits in, and how fast it moves, and how much it moves around. Like, yeah. 91 minutes is, ugh. Well,
1: I mean, the Palma is very kinetic. You are Hunter and I am Allison. That's
0: right. My name is Hunter. Welcome. If this is, again, if this is your first time listening, this is a show that is like unto talking about a movie you watched with your friends after watching it, except we're better than your friends because we're us and your friends suck. You can't prove we're not. (laughs) Fair. My dad invented pushpins. No, my dad did not invent pushpins, but that's a Romeo and Michelle joke, kind of. Oh, okay. They they want to be more entertaining at their high school reunion, so mm-hmm. I can't remember which one is which, but the Lisa Kudrow one, I believe, says she created Post-its.
1: I used to lie about stuff in bars a lot. Mostly because, like, you know... I You wanted
0: I... them to think it was bigger than it was.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, it was that sort of thing, where I'm like, yeah, I don't want you getting weird on me, so I'm just gonna, like, oh, yes. pretend I worked at all my friends' jobs right, right, right. and tell Cause... their stories, so you can't find me later.
0: Uh, I used to do the same sort of thing, yeah. um, because I just don't care. Yeah. Um,
1: oh yeah, you do silly stuff. <laughs> yeah.
0: I just don't give a shit. What's your name? Oh, Steve Gutenberg. I know. I've heard all the jokes. Mm-hmm. Like and they're like like the guy from Three Men and a Yep. That's right. Like, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. We're not going to talk after this.
1: I was never that clever.
0: It's not clever. <laughs> it's that I get bored okay. and ra- to keep myself entertained, I just make it interesting for me. And you know,
1: mine were always based in reality. I was just
0: <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, real quick. I'm sorry. Really quick sidebar. Do you think Steve Gutenberg is mythological?
1: No, but your name isn't he, Steve, he do you born... know Steve Gutenberg. He Steve... He was oh born anybody who Steve
0: Gutenberg was born from Zeus's forehead.
1: No. No, but you know what I'm saying, though. You know, that's that's not, like, a real thing that's happened in your life or to anybody that you know.
0: Well, I know Steve Gutenberg, it's not personally.
1: Right, that's what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> what are you saying?
1: That. <laughs> no, again, like, yeah, like, mine was always, like, you know, oh...
0: Right, right. You, you know, didn't want to tell I, them where you work, so you told them where your friend. I am worked.
1: performing a one-act play, and the play is entitled "I Am My Friend Nora." Now, oh, so you're one yes.
0: of those you're one of those fucking writers that's like write what you know. Yes, I have a screenplay. It's about a screenwriter living in L.A. trying yeah. to sell a screenplay. Yeah,
1: because God forbid I do something totally off the wall. I'm a circus performer, and somebody asks me like, "Oh, well, what uh, size cable do you tightrope walk on?" And I go, "I have no idea." No,
0: motherfucker, that's when you say six. <laughs> That's how lying works.
1: I know. Okay, I'm just kind of bad at lying. So yeah, the way yeah, yeah, I yeah. would lie is to yeah.
0: I'm not only good at it, I'm enthusiastic.
1: Yes. Have enough stuff just like for to be able to do it convincingly. Just like
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm cutting all this okay. up. Hey. Fuck. Hey, watch great watch. Night. Nice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tina would be so proud. Really? Us being filthy, doing Hate Watch, Great Watch Nights. Yeah, this is like her, we owe her money now. <laughs> this is like her whole shit. Yeah. If Mark Wahlberg shows up, I think she can sue us.
1: <laughs> Speaking of that. Lawsuits? <laughs> yeah, lawsuits.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the lawsuits.
1: Yeah, that was a fun little bit of trivia. So, in making Phantom of the Paradise, they got sued a lot. <laughs> 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 Which is how you know it's good. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like in an action movie when, like, you see the villain; he's got a bunch of scars. You're like, look at all those scars. You know that motherfucker's tough.
1: Yeah, no. Um, look at that
0: Brian De Palma movie. Look how many lawsuits it's got. Ooh, that must be a good one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw on one of the trivia things that it said that there was four, but I could only really find three.
0: That means the fourth one is a doozy.
1: Yeah. I, I have no idea what the fourth one could be, but the three that I found were that they were sued by uh, the estate of, uh, oh God, I'm going to butcher this because it's French, Gaston Leroux, who wrote the original the novel Phantom of the Opera. That's probably a vaguely like rights
0: issue. When did Phantom of the Opera become public domain?
1: I, I'm not sure how that stuff works because it's, it's French. So they'd probably be under different laws than properties in the United States, right? In the United States, it's like 90 years, Right. Or... This
0: thing from twenty twelve says that it's out of copyright because Gaston LaRue died more than seventy years ago.
1: Okay, from death. Alright. So Okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But like well that was seventy years in twenty twelve, so maybe it wasn't out of copyright yet. Yeah. When in seventy four or seventy three when they were making it. Maybe. Okay.
1: Oh maybe the other one was um um what's his face?
0: Kirk Douglas. No Michael um... Douglas
1: no uh Douglas uh, Fairbanks god damn it Hunter um Andrew Lloyd Webber
0: oh May- Weber.
1: maybe the fourth one was that because it does follow the play more closely than the novel
0: okay yeah I could see that
1: maybe or maybe like something else to do with that I don't know
0: well you're speculating yeah,
1: yeah. I am speculating I didn't read anything about what the what the there there is still a missing lawsuit possibly the or fourth lawsuit some, yeah right like I said it's a deuce right right but anyway, are the other ones uh, so the Gaston LaRue. Gaston LaRue's state. King features Syndicate, which, which is is the producer of the comic The Phantom, which is not anything to do with The Phantom of the Opera. No, but if is, you're familiar
0: with the Billy Zane yes. purple tights clad movie from the 90s. Yeah. Was it 90s?
1: Yeah.
0: It definitely was. Okay. $100,000. 1996. Six. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they in the '90s ended up actually making a film, but
0: the ghost who walks. Right. That's what they call him. Yes. I call him the world's most fuckable grape.
1: Yeah, his costume's purple.
0: It's very purple, and like purple's my power color.
1: And we watched it not too long ago because I I watched it (laughs) as a kid. I really not
0: too long ago. When do you think we watched it?
1: know, a couple years ago.
0: We watched it in like 2016
1: oh that's i guess more than a couple of years ago
0: <laughs> it is a couple more than a couple okay but, but yeah it's it's not great it's not a great movie but it is fun
1: yes and yeah. you
0: want it to be better than it is because billy zane
1: yeah billy zane and because i watched as a kid and it's got a lot of stuff i like it's like very pulpy hmm? kind of yes it's you know.
0: kind of like tarzan kind of like batman kind of like indiana jones yes which also well i
1: was a big tarzan fan too, no like read the novel i'm sorry it's, it's not cool.
0: really like batman it's more like the shadow
1: oh yeah who was yes. an inspiration for Batman? yes so yes it's... that is very accurate yeah because yeah. it does have that more like 40s feel
0: and just the vibe the the way he handles his vigilantism is more yeah. the shadow than batman. i
1: know it's all horses and biplanes and shit
0: that's two lawsuits ah, yeah, ah, so, ah
1: well so back in yeah the 1970s uh king features syndicate found out that De Palma was producing a film. He was just going to call the Phantom, or maybe right. Brian De Palma's the Phantom, and they were like, "Uh, no, 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 like we want to be able to use that name for our thing. So you got to extend the name to something else." Uh,
0: third lawsuit, ah, ah, ah. Yeah,
1: third lawsuit, ah, 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 was Led Zeppelin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because, ah! because De Palma's baddie in this is named Swan.
0: What is Swan's deal?
1: He was an artist turned, I guess, like record producer, kind of? That is correct. Sure.
0: And Um, he runs a record label, and the record label was originally called what?
1: Swan Song. Swan
0: Song Records.
1: Which is what?
0: Bled Zeppelin calls their record company. Right. So, during production, they got a cease and desist, and De Palma was like, well, I already did make all these props and have already filmed some things. So yeah. in the stuff they hadn't filmed yet, but had made the props for, they obscured the logo that said Swan song, at least yeah. enough to pass legal muster. Right. And then in the ones that they had already filmed and therefore could not obscure, they went back and did like a fucking match paste thing with like an illustrated thing that now they had changed the name to death records.
1: Yes. Yeah. And they even changed kind of the logo a bit it was like a swan coming out of a lotus. Yeah. Which they then sort of turned into just like the neon image for the paradise.
0: Yeah, that just becomes kind of right. the paradise's logo. Yes. And then the death records thing is a dead bird on the ground. Yeah. hmm Birds are a thing in this.
1: Big time.
0: But big not big time. bird.
1: Yeah, I mean... He's not in it. No. But Never ph- appears. The Phantom is kind of a big bird.
0: Maybe They're that was
1: the fourth lawsuit. The fourth lawsuit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jim Henson was like, yeah. uh, let's see, you're using Paul Williams, and I'm looking at this script, and it sounds like you got a lot of big birds. Yep. Three lawsuits of yes. four.
1: Yes. The fourth one is unknown. We have Secret some guesses. Lawsuit. Yeah, we have some So, guesses.
0: <laughs> um, this is now our second foray into the world of The Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Episode 92, The Phantom of the Opera, 1989. Yeah, which we've already done, which is one of my favorite, like, lesser-seen horror movies. Um, this is not really lesser-seen. It's cult in a different way. Yes. It's cult, but it's it's established cult. If you Google cult films, this will probably show up. Yes. Um, but Phantom 1989 probably will not. Yeah. I'm not out here grasping for cred. I'm just stating facts. It's yeah. an established cult thing. Like Rocky Horror, which came out a year before this. No, year after, but the stage play existed a year before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it was on stage in 73, and I think the film came out in 75, and this dropped in 74. I can't prove that De Palma saw Rocky, a performance of Rocky Horror and was like, this is the energy I need for any of it, but...
1: Well, I mean, also, there have been campy and queer and, you know, musical... This
0: isn't that queer.
1: No, it's not, but it's not not.
0: No, it's not yeah. not. It, I, yeah. In this, the queer any queerness in this feels more like a commentary on the idea that like anybody in in the theater is gay. Yeah, like that's and I don't think that's a negative thing. I think it's just like low hanging fruit. Sure. I don't think it's it's not portrayed negatively.
1: Well, what's funny is that Beef has a lot of gay mannerisms, but doesn't necessarily come off as being specifically gay or specifically straight.
0: Yeah, beef is beef is beef, baby. Yeah, beef is. I mean, listen. You know, he's
1: saying he won't perform in drag, but he's still very like flamboyant in a lot of other ways. He
0: speaks like yes. this in this kind of lispy, kind of put on way. He's grab assing the girls on stage. Yes, but that's during the performance, so I don't know how much of that is right. The per- the performance and whatever, yes. and also, I mean, we'll get there. But I don't know how much of that performance is supposed to be real or not. Right. Because, like, it really is, like, all over the fucking place. Yeah. Like, De Palma really was, like, just swinging for the fences. Yeah. This movie's great. Yes. So, yeah, let's do a quick plot walkthrough, and then we can talk about stuff we want to talk about.
1: All right. There's a voiceover.
0: Did you see who did the voiceover uncredited? It's fucking Rod Serling. Really? It's fucking the Twilight Zone's Rod Serling. (laughs) The man himself.
1: Wow. That's a good get. That's really fun.
0: And he said, like, basically he gives you all the backstory you need to know about Swan. Yeah. Um, Swan is played by Paul Williams. Paul Williams, if you are unaware, is a an amazing singer-songwriter, musician. He's written songs for everybody from The Carpenters to Daft Punk.
1: And Rainbow Connection. And he wrote, famously
0: wrote with? Rainbow Connection for the fucking Muppets. So, like, if that was the only thing the dude ever did, he's still, like, one of the best humans ever. But he's apparently super cool. Very nice. He still works like periodically whenever yeah. he wants to. He was on we, Sherlock a few years yeah. ago, playing some like H.H. Holmes type serial killer. Yeah. And um. It's fucking. He, he's he does cool. A lot as hell. of
1: voice acting. Yes, in he did general. voices
0: on. Uh, he did a voice on the Batman the Animated Series, the really good one from the nineties. Yeah. He's great. He's a super unique guy and an incredible fucking songwriter. He wrote all the music for this. Yeah. He performed like more than half of it. Yeah. And and he stars in it. Well, co-stars in it. He's not the Phantom, but he is—he is Swan, the bad guy. So Rod Serling gives us the info dump on Swan, and he says uh, he got his first gold record at fourteen. He's—he's the man that brought the blues to Britain, and he says, and he took Liverpool to America, Mm -hmm. and yada yada. yada. Basically, Swan's whole um, thing—he's incredibly famous. Everybody knows him, and he wants to open this perfect nightclub, a place that he can live out his bacchanalian fantasies of music and sex and whatever the fuck.
1: Described as his. Something and his Disneyland. Yeah, whatever. Or whatever. But yeah.
0: And it's going to be called the Paradise. And he's just look. He's waiting for the perfect thing that he can open his club with. Yeah. So what they're doing auditions. Is that what the?
1: No. It starts with uh the Juicy Fruits doing a performance, which is like a band that he's representing or producing. Or yeah, whatever. he
0: is. He is dubiously writing but producing all their songs. They are a like '50s doo-wop group.
1: Yeah, it's part of the '70s nostalgia wave or whatever
0: yeah nostalgia is not a new concept we just uh just
1: keep thinking that we've invented it
0: (laughs) yeah the seven i guess the idea is that in the 70s the nostalgia for the 50s was big yeah um which i mean i guess makes a kind of sense i don't know what shana was big in the 70s and they were
1: uh who apparently shana uh shana was almost gonna be Playing the juicy fruits. Oh wow! Except that uh Bowser
0: was almost in this,
1: except that De Palma found them too difficult to work with.
0: I bet it was Bowser. he's the only dude in Sean and I know.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that was that was because the... I mean, like a lot of the people in the cast are musicians or musical. Sure. Yeah, you know, I guess a lot of it skews more like musical theater. Or like if I'm the...
0: not mistaken, Bowser was the guy that does the like really low part. Oh yeah. Was like get a job. No 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 no. Get a job. That was Bowser. Mm-hmm. I think. Not sure. Oh, I can do that cleaner. Get a job. No, it's the same. Alright. Good. Get it a... <clears throat> I feel like I could do this better. Get a job. There we go. Get a job, na Get a job, Get a job, Get a job, Get a job, Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I don't know about you, but I've been you know real congested.
0: I've been doing my vocal warm ups Okay. I'm Vin Diesel. I'm Vin Diesel. It's my vocal warm-up.
1: It's not I am Groot.
0: <laughs> I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Uh,
1: okay. There it is. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so stupid. Anyway, so that's the Juicy Fruits. They're great. Uh, it's a great doo song.
1: Yeah, well, so... um,
0: What's their... Uh, their song is called Goodbye, Eddie, Goodbye. Yes. And it's like kind of a Dead Man's Curve thing. It's about like Eddie died so that they could save his sister doing like an organ transplant.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's
0: It's Paul Williams writing right. a pastiche of yeah. Dead Man's Curve songs. It's yeah. fucking really good. Yeah, cause, I mean
1: like, you know, he does later on a po- upholstery for the Beach Bums. Dude, it's, yeah, the
0: Beach Bums are a you know, Beach know, very Boys much pastiche.
1: Like, oh my car and stuff. Oh yeah, it's yeah. straight
0: up it's like it's it's some guy, hold on. It's some guy being like and <laughs> whatever like doing this like high nerdy Beach Boys voice, but yeah, it's a it's like Upholstery, my baby sitting next to me. Like yeah, so
1: the Juicy Fruits were portrayed by or sorry, the Juicy Fruits, the Beach Bums, and the Undeads yeah
0: later were on played, there's the Undeads it's played yeah by
1: Archie Hahn, Jeffrey command Command Commandor Commandor C O M A N D O R. Jeffrey Commandor Commandor? God damn it.
0: Pick one and either apologize or go with it.
1: Jeffrey Commandor and Peter Elbing. Elbling. Elblings. Jesus. Yep.
0: Nailed it. <laughs> I like when Allison's like, no, I'm going to read the names.
1: Kate, then do you want to do a take?
0: The Juicy Fruits, the Beach Bums, and the Undeads were portrayed by Archie Han, Jeffrey Commodore, although that's not what I have written down here, so either I wrote it down wrong or you read it wrong, but moving on, and Peter Elbling. Does it have a D in it?
1: C-O-M-A-N-O-R. Commodore.
0: Commodore, yeah. Commodore.
1: That's God what I was like, dammit. that's what I
0: wrote down, but you're saying D. I was like, there's a chance I missed a letter.
1: No, I think I Third just... time's
0: the charm. Okay, here we go. I got a Chicago accent now. That's how you know it's the real one, I guess. So the Juicy Fruits, the Beach Bums, and the Undeads are played by Archie Hahn, Jeffrey Commonor, and Peter Elbling. Okay, bada-bing, bada-boom. <laughs> okay.
1: Are they supposed to be different people, do you think? or Unclear.
0: A lot of this movie is unclear in that way, sure. where it's like, it's whatever it yeah. is whatever
1: i mean cuz like yeah they're not really the focus anyway but no, no, it's no. just it's it's interesting if it's a reinvention every time or there's not there's a
0: movie from it might be like 2000 or 2001 it's maybe it's the late 90s it's called girl dominique swain is the titular girl i guess mhm and she's in love with boy a, a rock star okay one of the running bits is, like, one of her friends, some I don't remember the actress, but, like, fronts a band, and they get signed. They're, like, mm-hmm. a punk, like, girl punk band or whatever. And they get signed, and then throughout the movie, she keeps, like, bumping into her and seeing, like, how her career is progressing. Uh-huh. She just keeps changing what her style of music is. But, like, the joke kind of, it's not really a comedy, but, like, the kind of joke is that the song is exactly the same song it's just played in these days. Like it's a new wave band now. It's like
2: oh, you know, fun. it's
0: like a acoustic, like folky girl solo singer singer songwriter thing. It's this, it's that. Like it just keeps evolving. Yeah. But it's always the same song, same lyrics and everything. Mm. Um so this is kind of like that in that it's like played by the same actors, so maybe it's supposed to be the same musicians, but they just keep changing their gimmick. Yeah. Yeah, what's the so they're performing Goodbye, Eddie Goodbye, and yeah. what's the deal with it? Is he just, like, audi- is he auditioning people? or That's his band, though.
1: I'm not sure if they're, like, filming it or something. Because the Paradise maybe? isn't
0: open yet. That's no, the whole not. thing. is It's not in operation yet.
1: Yeah, like, maybe they're filming it because it does have, like, an audience and stuff. And they look like they're playing to a camera. But then yeah. at the end, they look up at this, like, one-way mirror.
0: Yes, there's, like, a yeah. owner's skybox thing. Yes. And all the panels are glass except for one, which is mirrored. Yes. And that's the one that Swan is behind. So we don't right. see Swan for quite a while. We yeah. see him, like, clapping in his Mickey Mouse gloved hands.
1: Yes. And there's even, like, almost, like, fourth wall breaking, but it's that we are the perspective of Swan when Philbin is talking to him.
0: Yes, yeah. Phil- Philbin, uh, played by George Memoli. Yes. Memoli? Memoli, maybe. Memoli. Philbin is, like, uh, Swan's kind of, like, right-hand man. He's yeah. stage manager, does whatever, wrangles the talent, you know, he has... He has drugs on hand. He, you know, like everything he's, you know, later on in the film, he officiates a wedding. He's like his go-to guy. Yeah. So Philbin is like talking about how he wants Swan to crush some former talent that Philbin had signed before he turned her over to Swan named Annette. And she's the top of the charts. And he's like, you know, I want you to, I want you to break her. And Swan's like, is that all? And he's Mm -hmm. like, isn't that enough? But it gives you a, a brief glimpse into the idea that Swan is, like, real fucked up and sadistic. Also mm-hmm. super powerful. So, then, uh, our hero.
1: While the Juicy Fruits are performing, he, like, wheat pastes on their sign that, oh. And,
0: Winslow and, Leach playing yeah, Win- piano. Right, yeah. So, Winslow Leach, played by William Finley, who's been in a bunch of stuff. He worked with uh, Toby Hooper early in his career. Oh, neat. He's in, like, Eatin' Alive. Cool. And, um, I think he's in the Funhouse. I think he's the Magician? He's got, like, one scene, and it's, like, really weird.
1: Oh, he's also in Sisters.
0: Oh, yeah? De Palma? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the movie right before this.
1: Neat. Okay.
0: Yeah. Like, I think it was, like, two years before? Cool. Anyway. Oh,
1: and Dressed to Kill, but just as a voice.
0: Oh, okay. Winslow Leach goes out there, and, and he starts playing piano and singing his cantata of Faust. And... In his skybox, Swan is lamenting. They're like, I have not, I don't have anything that can open the paradise. Like, I need something. And then he goes, like, shut up, Philbin. Do you hear it? And he's like, what? So he's and like, you want
1: that guy? And he's like, no.
0: He's like, not the voice, the music. And like, he's a fine, he's singing fine. Right. But the music is great.
1: And I mean, also, he's just like, you know, in a sweater with like his curly hair, but he's not necessarily like a star. Oh, yeah. I think well, again, it's whole... not the
0: look. He's not talking about the look. No, I know.
1: That's what I'm saying. Is I think that's that's why, you know.
0: It's... He's supposed to look schlubby. Yes. He's a songwriter. Yes. He's not a star. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: yes that's, that's what, you're what saying. I was getting at. Right. Yeah. Being super critical of people who have curly hair and wear sweaters. <gasps> I get it. No, it's fine. You want to alienate, I'm sure, a portion of our audience. I'm sorry, all you curly-haired, besweatered people. I love you. Allison here, though. You should see the dartboard she has. <laughs> it's just got Ark Arfunkel on it. It's so mean. <laughs>
1: No, I love I love curly hair. I love sweaters. I love curly haired people in sweaters. It's fine, but I just get that it's like you know he's not Britney Spears and he's never gonna be
0: right. You know Swan. So this is a this movie is Faust and Swan is kind of the devil until we find out he's not. Yes. Like Faust, it famously, like if you don't know Faust, Faust is a, a guy who makes a deal with the devil. Yeah. It's it's Was, where the is it
1: goth in Faust it's that he makes a deal with the literal devil, kind of for a good reason.
0: Yeah, but, what's the, in Faust, what's the...
1: Uh, It's that there is a plague it's the, it's on his save, city. to save, yeah, so it's, it's to save it's, the city, yes, right? Yeah, Yeah.
0: We um, saw uh the silent film, the Faust, with a live uh, live musical accompaniment.
1: Yes, we did.
0: At uh, the Mütter Museum here in Philadelphia. Yes. Um, which, if you ever get the chance to go to the Mütter, or to see a film with live musical accompaniment, a silent film with live yeah. musical accompaniment, check it out
1: yeah it's super cool <laughs> yeah, it's great i hadn't i hadn't seen anything like I, i've only seen in movies when they have like the person playing piano yeah with yeah, the, yeah. the the like usually it's the cowboys and indians kind of flick yeah they're doing um a, but yeah this was like a string quartet with a original arrangement you looking up exactly who or when
0: i want to say it's the bismuth yeah so it was the bismuth quartet yes i follow them on instagram you can oh, find them bismuth lovely. quartet they're they're great. Uh that was I had a fucking blast watching that.
1: Yeah, they had really interesting arrangements.
0: And uh Faust in case you were were wondering was 1929, I think. Okay. Um it's Murnau. Yes. 26, I'm sorry. Okay. 1926, Murnau. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's great. It's a I mean it's a great film in and of itself, but with the live musical accompaniment it was like incredible.
1: Yeah, films of that era are really I mean like I think the closest thing that people might have had experience with is, like, the universal horror films, where they had, sure. like, the really big sets with a lot of depth to it. Yeah. And, I mean, like, a lot of these were a bit shallower for probably budget and logistics reasons, but, like, still Necessity had... Necessity as well, I mean. Yeah, still had a lot of really impressive, you know...
0: Yeah, we watched uh, Durgolum, Yes. Uh, a couple of years ago. Durgol-
1: and also Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Caligari yes. Yeah. That that one kind of the set dressing kind of skews more um, abstract. It's though,
0: I think it's it's is, referenced in this.
1: Yes, it is because well, so it's it's they do a Frankenstein kind of pastiche pastiche at, you know um, for the opening act of the paradise, and it's kind of a cross between yeah, like Captain Doctor Caligari and the Universal Frankenstein. Yeah which is and rocky inter- hart and rocky yeah it's all very interesting
0: yeah so it's really cool to look at yeah every october i do i try i write up a movie theme a day thing and we just come up with a list of movies that fit the each you know one for each day
1: yeah, um, if you follow Hunter on the Twitters for as long as that's a thing, or I think you might also put it on your Instagram. It's on right? Instagram.
0: I barely use Twitter anymore. I'm yeah. about to I'm about to abandon the whole goddamn thing. I, the only reason I keep it is to promote the show. Yeah. Point um, is, uh, yeah. So if
1: you follow uh Hunter himself, I well that's not the at. It's is it still Doctor
0: on Instagram? It's dr__h__bus. underscore h underscore bus.
1: Yeah. I don't know September 30th October 1st whenever the hell you get around to posting those sorts of things yeah the last like what three years we've I think been it's doing three it? yeah where for every day of the month it's like a prompt for film watching yeah it'll we, be like the yeah. first
0: haunted house the second electricity the yeah. third witches whatever and yeah. we just come up with based on these prompts we as a house go oh we should watch this for electricity and this for haunted house and this for witches and whatever we come up with a film list and then we try to watch them all yeah Throughout the month. And so we watched uh Golem, Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. But I digress. <laughs> so, yeah, Faust. Deal with the devil. Which, so- again,
1: even for a good reason, still usually ends up kind of bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The devil's not known yeah. for being, like, the most trustworthy guy.
1: Yeah. I and mean, a lot of the lore and stuff like that, he plays fair, but only if you can, like, find loopholes in the rules. Which is kind of what happens here, so...
0: He's not the devil, but he appears as though he is until we find out that he's not. He basically steals all of Winslow's songs and then has an open audition for Starlets to come in and sing his uh, Winslow's version of Faust. And he's going to pick from them. And then, I don't know, in a weird sort of like movie logic y, dream logic y thing, he just doesn't go with any of them and instead decides he needs a heavier sound because the world is changing, the era is changing. And that's when he chooses Beef. Up until that, we think maybe Phoenix, played by Jessica Harper, is going to be like your starlet. Yeah. Because she has Jessica heart.
1: Harper, also from Suspiria.
0: I didn't get to that okay. yet. But no, no, that's fair. Um, we'll do that now. Okay. Welcome back to the show, Jessica Harper. Yeah. What episode is Suspiria? Oh, you don't know. You didn't look it up. I did. I wrote this down. Okay. That's what I do every time. Episode 29, Suspiria from 2019. Do you know who she plays? She plays Anka. Oh, okay. Anka is the wife, the missing wife of the psychologist. Yes. Played by Tilda Swinton in drag. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name, but that's Anka is his missing wife. That's uh-huh. like his uh, motivating thing. Yeah. Is it she looking into the. Yeah. She disappeared yeah, right. and whatever. And I might as well do the welcome back to the show director Brian De Palma. Episode 34 blowout. Yes. Which he also directed. Yes. Um, so check both of those out if you like this film and like those things. Swan just arbitrarily decides that he needs a heavier sound, so he brings in Beef. Well, he auditions a bunch of people, and it's, like, a fun, various styles of, you know, music, like, montage. There's, like, a country kind of guy, and there's, like, a trio of, I guess they're, like, Motown singer girls, and, like, it's a whole thing. And then Garrett Graham uh, as Beef, and he's just there, (laughs) atonally hammering on an electric guitar Mm -hmm. and uh and then he flexes (laughs) and it's just like you're like boy this guy sucks so bad and and of course swan's like yes that's who i want (laughs) and it's great because beef is great we'll get to beef meanwhile all throughout all this process swan has had winslow sent to prison because winslow like showed up and was like hey i've been trying to have a meeting with you for months you keep turning me away and now I'm here and you're auditioning all these women to sing my uh, cantata, my Faust cantata. And he meets Phoenix and he's like, well, she's the one. And he's like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get credit for my music. And it's, this must be a misunderstanding. Swan wouldn't screw me over. He's definitely not the devil for real. And he's like, and and you're going to be my star. And she's like, that's great. I definitely want to be a star. But instead of any of that happening, Swan throws him out, has him beaten up, and then has drugs planted on him because cops have always been bastards. Mm -hmm. He goes to Sing Sing, cool, where they remove his teeth and replace them with metal teeth. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like a crazy fucking thing. As far
1: as I know, they don't do that. No. But I'm willing to stand corrected here. I I
0: think he just, I think De Palma was just like, yeah, yeah, in the script, he's like, he has metal teeth. Why? Because that'd be so creepy and weird. And he's like, well, how does he get metal teeth? I don't know. So you know what? They take them out at Sing Sing. They just there's one scene where the warden's like, "Teeth promote bacteria, so instead I'm going to yank them all out of your head and put metal ones in." Great, good job. He's cool in Sing Sing for I think it's like a six months.
1: Six months. Yep.
0: And then he uh, snaps. After, I guess the implication is that he has heard his song played on the radio by the Juicy Fruits one too many times, and finally snaps.
1: Oh, I thought it was just in general that it was oh, the new song by the Juicy Fruits, Faust. Maybe, and but he was they, like, no. Well,
0: but they do say, yeah. Once again, here it is: the okay. Juicy Fruits playing Faust, their but new yeah. song.
1: He flips out. He beats up a guard. Gets in a box. You know. Yeah,
0: they're they're assembling boxes of tiddlywinks. Yeah. And he hides in one and escapes and runs rampant. And then there's like a two-minute mon- like montage sequence of him just destroying the death records offices, which is yes. like arguably my favorite two minutes of the whole movie. He
1: jumps through a plexiglass window. Yeah. <laughs> it's he, ridiculous.
0: De Palmy uses like a fisheye lens yes. in this scene and only this scene. Right. Because I'm guessing it was a very narrow hallway and he didn't want it to look like he runs right by the camera. So the fisheye like distorts him a little bit away from the lens. Yeah. like. And it just makes it not look as, like, cramped, but it does make it look super weird. And yeah. it's almost fast motion. Right. And it's incredibly violent. I was say, whenever and, I like...
1: remember it, it's in fast motion, like, um, uh, O'clock Clockwork Orange. Clockwork yeah. Yes, but then it's, but whenever I watch it's not.
0: It's not. It's just fucking running <laughs> just at full fast. fucking steam. Yes. It's great. It's so fucking wild. Yeah. Um, it's, again, arguably my favorite two minutes of the whole movie. It's just, like, so kinetic and crazy and yeah. chaos and... And then he runs to the, I guess, I guess all these things are either centrally located or he's just has Forrest Gumpian running abilities. Cause then he runs to the death records record pressing plant and fucks everything up there and then accidentally turns the machine on and slips and falls backwards into it where his face gets crushed in a, in a record press and he's horribly disfigured. And then he gets shot by a security guard and falls into the bay. And then we cut to, what is it? the East River. It is yeah. in the East River. But then we cut to what, like...
1: Well, so there's a newspaper fill-in that, like, the Paradise later? is opening, and then also this guy died. <laughs> oh, yes. It yeah. says,
0: Mad Toonsmith Bites Bullet. Yeah. Um, they planted drugs on him when they arrested him, so the thing also refers to him as, like, convicted doper or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and then it's like, is He's it a, a bad month... egg. Is it a month later? Probably. I think. And then the yeah. uh it's the opening of the paradise yeah the paradise opening and we get like the palma ass point of view yes. shot with this um darth vader breathing yeah
1: we're in the point of view of winslow we're entering the paradise we're doing these weird transitions where there's like oh it's a brick wall and then suddenly we're like probably like several yards further than we would be and oh it's a door but you know now we're by the stage and yeah and it feels like it's one shot but it and I mean, I don't know. It could no, it's be, like Birdman it cheats. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's it's probably to just yeah. trim your runtime down. We don't need sure. to see real time of somebody walking in a building. It's not right. anything.
1: No, I know. It looks so cool. It like, looks, yeah.
0: It's very like the whole movie is like hyper stylized right. and not in reality in yeah. any way, shape, or form. And it gets less in reality as it goes on. Sure. Because like, arguably, any of this stuff could theoretically like have existed. Yeah. Okay, so Winslow breaks in, he steals some costume shit, including this, like, helmet. Now, we have to do... The look of the Phantom is, like, so tied to this film. And it's this big metal bird thing mask. Yes. Like I said, birds are a thing. So you you may have noticed that Swan... Swan is the guy's name. Yeah. All his fucking logos are are birds. Yes, Phoenix is her name. That's a kind of bird. It's a magic fire bird.
1: And then as she becomes like part of Swan Stable, she gets into more bird like costumes. Yeah, she's wearing like a it's big feathery feathers. cloak. She's got like a like a one piece catsuit kind of thing that's got I think kiwis or something on it.
0: But yeah, birds are throughout the whole thing. So he puts on this like metal helmet, and it's it's kind of like an old fashioned round motorcycle helmet, like yeah. the old you know. 60s yeah. 70s ones yeah. but it has so this like bird beak, bird beak and eyes like yeah. thing he just looks fucking great yeah. it's so fucking cool
1: yeah because as as i don't have to tell you the popularized you know fan of the opera like mask yeah that they do in the andrew lloyd weber and that was also done in the um robert england one that we watched is yeah like a half mask
0: Yeah, it's just to cover the burned half, but this is, like, a full-on... Yeah, Yeah.
1: this is a full-on mask, but with one of the eye holes poked out and the other one hole.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, my favorite thing is that, like, watching... Because I was well aware of the character's design. And watching it and realizing that he got his, like, whole look purely from like raiding their costume department that's great and then also if you look on the shelf that he takes the helmet down from there's like a bunch of other like random helmets he could have theoretically taken Yeah. and one of them is just like a big alligator so theoretically if he was so inclined he'd be running around in this like black fucking like He looks almost like common rider type thing. It's like Uh almost like a motorcycle jacket kind of top, you know, like leather looking suit. It's got a cape. that's black on the outside, white on the inside. And he could just be having like a big fucking green alligator head. That could be the Phantom in this movie. Just if he was that, you know, that guy, I think that's great.
1: Phantom of the swamp, y'all.
0: I love that for him.
1: I mean, that could be our (laughs) version. Sure. Oh, this
0: is when we get the beach bums. They perform upholstery, which we talked about is great. And while they're doing that, there is a classic De Palma. He's got moves. De Palma yeah. has these very specific moves. This is one of them. He doesn't do a split diopter, I don't think, in this. No, but he does do split but it screen. Is a split screen. Oh. Difference for people listening. Split diopter is it's a depth of field trick where you basically um, you're splicing together two different shots uh, of focus. So the yeah. the very foreground and the very background. Will be in focus, so it'll be like a character close to the camera and a character farther away. They'll be having a conversation. They'll both be in focus, but something in the middle, like that whole middle ground, will be kind of out of focus. But yeah. you won't really notice it because of the way the shot's composed. If it's done well, which De Palma always does it well.
1: The old school way of doing that was having a special lens that had two different focal depths. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, I mean, yes.
1: Like bifocals for your camera.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Um, and then now that we're in the future, you can cheat it better with, like, digital oh, placement. Yeah. And you
0: just literally put in two yeah. completely different pieces of footage. Right.
1: Going back to this shot, though, it is split yeah. screen. And what's interesting is that it's kind of split. perpendicular yes. split screen. Well,
0: split screen for the is two Yes. Yeah, separate images rolling simultaneously yes. on a screen. Which Sometimes, is another thing
1: that De Palma loves to do. Oh, yeah. Aside from doing the... the
0: a lot of people have done know. it. De Palma does it a lot in a modern era that... People don't usually do this. Uh, people well, mostly now directors go for intercutting.
1: Yeah, I mean they it's... cut from
0: a thing happening to another thing happening, and you understand they're happening simultaneously. De Palma shows you both of them happening at the same time. Yes. Sometimes they're in the same area. Sometimes they're wildly different areas. Right. It's
1: like... also hard to do because it's competing for your focus. So you yeah, it has compose to be it very specifically. It has so that to be yeah, incredibly muddy. well choreographed right. so that yeah.
0: the audience, without any prompting,
1: knows where to look. Right. Yeah.
0: Follows a thing happening on the left side of the screen. And then their focus goes over to the thing on the right side, and it all makes sense, and it tells a cohesive story. And yeah. that's another thing people don't do great all the time with right. split screen.
1: But what's interesting about this is that his camera placement is perpendicular to each other instead of like off in different directions or parallel or anything like that. Yes, where we you are have seeing bleed in one into each yeah. other's fields, we
0: are seeing in one screen uh, like a audience point of view of the, the performance yeah. uh from the beach bums of upholstery yeah and then the other camera is backstage like right behind the them yeah, yeah. as Where...
1: a prop car gets pushed out onto the stage
0: because it's yeah they're practicing for their big stage number right. and like, so we see um philbin telling some girl like you got a great body you better show it off show some skin and she's like it's a rehearsal and it's cold in here and he's like i don't give a shit yeah you got boobs show them off baby
1: Yeah, little does anybody know that we saw the Phantom place a bomb in the car trunk.
0: Yes, and one of the musicians is like, I don't know, man, like, I need... (laughs) Does he ask for drugs? I can't remember, but he's like, he's like, I hear this ticking... (laughs) And he's like yeah. ticking. He's like, here, just, Philbin's like, here, just take these pills. And he like yeah. pours a bunch in his hand and just shoves them in this guy's mouth. Do like, you feel better? And he's like, not really. His
1: name is Harold. He asks Philbin what his astrological sign is, and I guess got a warning that he shouldn't listen to something a Leo tells him because he doesn't want to sit in the car.
0: Yeah. Good call, Harold. Yeah. R.I.P. Harold.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess he's fine because he's back at as the undead. Oh, later maybe? On.
0: Okay, so okay, so that guess, opens up an interesting field of conversation. Yeah. Are they supposed to be the same characters? Yeah, and if not, or
1: did Harold die? Right, or is Harold account? actually undead? Yeah, I don't did know. they
0: die as the beach bums and they were resurrected because, Who like, theoretically, Swan might have that power.
1: Oh, right. It's unclear. Right.
0: He oh, is maybe he's not boy. the devil, but he does know him.
1: Yeah, man. So as we as we come to find out, to talk about something that happens later on. Yeah. yeah. Winslow the Phantom has a contract with Swan that among other things, like having rights to his work, he also cannot die because the contract is only void upon Swan's death. So Winslow, the Phantom, tries to stab himself, and it doesn't
0: work. It's great, though. Yes,
1: I know. It's where, it's, it's, it's where we think we got a handle on this, and then all of a sudden, woo, it's supernatural.
0: All of a sudden, arguably, your protagonist kills himself with a knife.
1: Yes, right. Like,
0: on top of right. a building, and then you're like, yeah. it's like the movie's been on for 40 right, minutes. you're
1: like checking your watch and stuff, but then it's like, oh, he's okay. Yeah,
0: then fucking Swan goes out there and goes, you can't actually die. Right. It's great.
1: And then, oh, and then he tries to stab Swan and he goes, I'm under contract too.
0: Yes, that's when we is... find out that he's not the devil. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he plants so the yeah, bomb. so yeah, maybe
1: the undead are literally right. undead. Who can say? Hard to say. Or so, maybe they survived because uh, that was also kind of muddy as far as like what all happened with that absolutely. prop car.
0: But it does explode.
1: Yeah, it was a big bada boom.
0: Winslow, because again, like, you know, watching this movie, you know that it's going to build to them like a confrontation. The whole thing is he's going to be like sneaking around, causing chaos, destruction, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he wants to get revenge on Swan. So for him to confront him like 30 minutes into the movie and like, you know, Swan is like going into this like mirrored paneled secret room thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. And when he comes out of it, Winslow's got like a knife to his throat, a blade to his throat. And you're just like, oh, this is weird and rad, and we're getting there really fast. Mm-hmm. But basically, Swan talks him out of it yeah. and goes like, that's great that you're not dead and you have metal teeth and you're a crazy phantom and you're disfigured now. Look how ugly you are. And he's like... Aah. And he's yeah. like, oh, you can't talk anymore because you crushed your head in a pressing vice? That's cool. Anyway, sign this contract for me. We'll work together. You'll write the music, and then I'll have them produce it, and we can get your phoenix i know you love her she's great you can have her sing it
1: that might be why he goes for beef is just to continue to twist the knife where it's like oh yes you want her to be your voice well she gets to be a backup singer
0: yeah could be. he is a dick yes so he does get winslow to sign this thing in blood yes he pricks his finger and drop of blood and he signs winslow and fountain pen and all this yeah there's very much like a okay i get it of like Winslow going what does this mean you know and like the language is circuitous and you know circles back on itself and whatever but like you can tell just listening to it that it's you don't own any of your songs i own them and he goes oh that's a that just protects you yeah it <laughs> protects you winslow don't you see and he's like i guess he's like i i don't see a lot i was in prison and now i'm like a crazy monster so he does sign it swan has winslow in this little fucking what do you call it annex of of not swan records it's in the paradise yeah it is in the paradise so this little annex room like at the end of an industrial walkway and it's behind like a big door yeah but he has him in there composing and he can also pipe music the room is like lined with like fucking synths and moog keyboards and shit so
1: did you read about that because that's kind of interesting um so that is a real room in a recording studio. Awesome. The switches and stuff are actually part of a like bespoke Moog synthesizer Ugh. called Tonto. It was featured in several albums by the electronica duo Tonto's Expanding Headband and it still exists. Um but now it's the 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 Tonto synthesizer has been moved to a permanent exhibit at the National Music Centre in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And it's still available for use. Awesome. Yeah. But yeah, it's spherical shaped almost.
0: Yeah, it's very much Darth Vader's pod. Oh, yeah. I don't think yeah. that's intentional. I think it's just... But it might be, because like... I,
1: I mean, even the Phantom's got the little talk box. Well, that's what that I was going to say. Vader... Like, He's
0: doing the Vader breathing when he first shows up in that POV thing, like I mentioned. Yeah. And then he finally like, he has this weird little fucking recorder box thing on his chest that he like twiddles, dials on, and he can get a voice out of it. because. Yeah. I guess the idea is that he crushed his larynx in the press as well. He's all fucked up. Yeah. So he just kind of is like. Ah! But then he can twiddle things and he's got his robot voice, you know. Yeah. But when he pl- when he plugs in, you know, aux cables into this fucking moog wall or whatever. Yeah. He, he can, can be piped through the to, thing. Yeah. And we get a shot. of We get a scene of Swan twiddling knobs in the recording studio to make him sound like human again. But. So I don't know if this is intentional or not, but the singing voice for the Phantom is actually Paul Williams. So I don't know if that's a swan is making him sound like swan. I think it is. Or not. Or if it's just that Paul Williams is a good singer and uh, William Finley is not, you know.
1: Well, no, because I mean, like they have, I don't even know if it was William Finley doing his own singing the first time. No, it's not. But it, it was somebody else. Yes. Yeah. So I think yeah, him Swan making the Phantom's new voice sound like himself when he's saying... Swan, yeah, yes, is supposed to be like further egotism. I don't know yeah. what the... manipulation. You
0: know, it's it's taking yeah. away what solipsism.
1: Is... That's more what
0: I'm solipsism. Yeah,
1: looking at yeah,
0: it's taking away what is.
1: I don't even think it's with the intention of taking anything away from him.
0: Winslow, but... he's he's being like I g- I gave you your voice back. But it's not his voice, like. But uh, he
1: says that it's perfect, and I think it's that for him, a perfect sound is things that are reminiscent
0: of himself. Sure, I mean we could discuss the psychology of Swan all day. I guess when he's twiddling knobs, it's I just love Paul Williams filters, and he's like you know twiddling things, and it gets like closer to human. He's like. Dolbys. (laughs) It's like, it's so fun. I I love Paul Williams. I get such joy from watching him uh, in basically anything, but he's great as like an evil little shithead. Yeah. His first line in this is really something.
1: What
0: is it? Uh, He uses the F slur.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: His introductory line is appearing out of a mirrored panel in the harem room wall where, Winslow is uh like undercover in disguise as a woman so he could sneak in yes. to try and talk to him yeah. but Swan is always watching so he's yeah. like well that guy is obviously that guy. Yeah. Um so he opens the door and he's like get this out of here and that's when they beat him up but I was like that's the introduction to this character it's great cuz you're just like wow I hate this motherfucker <laughs> immediately.
1: Yeah, you're right cuz like I mean he talks before then, but you don't yes. get his face. You just have his hands. Because, again, we're the perspective of him. Yes. You know, yeah.
0: It's really his introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. okay, yep.
0: The contract contract is huge. It's like a fucking phone book. It's all yes. bound together. It's all written in, like, gothic like script. Yeah. yeah. But my joke was that it was bird law. Yes. Because Swan. Sign and blood. And at that point, I also wrote this note, which is... That Winslow must be the dumbest man alive because he literally wrote like a massive cantata that he says is between 200 and 300 pages, his whole work on yeah. Faust, about Faust, which is about a man signing a deal with the devil.
1: And you and he pick still... up on these themes? Right, yeah. and
0: he's, he does a thing that's exactly that. He does exactly that. Yeah. You dumb motherfucker. Where's Faust? Yeah, Faust is German, yeah?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yep.
0: Do your German accent. Nine. All right, that's pretty good. <laughs> Rescinded So we get a songwriting montage Set to the Phantom of the Paradise theme Which is subtitled Beauty and the Beast It's great Swan has a gold record desk where he's in the center of it, like fucking Ron Swanson in that one episode where they try to, like, increase the efficiency of the Parks and Rec office, and he's got that round desk. Mm -hmm. It's exactly like that, but huge and gold. (laughs) I was like, fuck, I don't remember that at all. It's so stupid. It's in literally one scene. Yeah. (laughs) He built a whole stupid big desk for this one visual. Yeah. Great. Uh, and then this is him interviewing everybody and finally settling on beef. Yep. Then he does a press conference where he says, gentlemen, I yep. give you the future beef. <laughs> and then beef comes out and it's Garrett on Graham the, on
1: the tarmac. Yes. While insisting no photographs and the, beef the, is unveiled in a coffin.
0: In like a, in a cabinet of Dr. Caligari, like oh. asymmetrical. Yes, you're right. Coffin. Yep. And they open the door and he just, or open like the top of it and he just snarls and it's yeah. great. Garrett Graham is so fucking fun. Um, Garrett Graham, as I was telling our, our roommate while we were watching this, is, you know, he's in a lot of stuff. He's, he was an actor that worked for many, many years, but uh, I know him primarily through some genre stuff. He's in, I think, Terror Vision. Okay. Um, he's in one of those. But he's in um, Chud 2, Bud the Chud. Mm-hmm. And I think probably the first thing I knew him from. Is he is the voice of Jay Sherman's father on The Critic? Mm-hmm. Um, he's great in this.
1: Winslow is finishing his cantata, and to get him to finish, Swan is pumping him full of drugs from a whole ass like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas briefcase. Yes, it is. It really is.
0: Uppers, downers, screamers, laughers. And
1: a whole fuck ton of ether. I forget how much. This yeah, is yeah, yeah. It. Yeah.
0: I don't remember the whole litany. I used to have right. it memorized, and then I realized that was like really try hard of me. Uh-huh. Yeah edgelord it was it was very edgelord (laughs) of me and i was like i'll just take acid oh you're not cool you can't do the whole litany of drugs from fear and loathing i'm like i am actually drugs now yeah so
1: what's the weirdest drug you've done
0: uh i did a synthetic hallucinogen called white rain okay um it was the worst trip i've ever had
1: cool everybody
0: had a bad time everybody that took it had a bad time and I re- legitimately thought the world was ending. Yeah, it was bad. It was, like, also the most fucking, like, physically exhausted I was after a trip ever. hmm Like, by a huge margin. Where where, where were we? The,
1: the Fear and Living briefcase.
0: Oh, that he's keeping him drugged yeah. up. Yeah,
1: he's keeping him drugged up to get him to finish the cantata. He's yeah. got downers to keep him docile. He's got uppers to keep him, you know, writing and producing and everything. Yeah. And then eventually he's going to brick him up in that room and uh, have Beef sing his songs.
0: Yeah, so Beef is on stage practicing working it out yeah <laughs> and he's going like rrr, rrr, and he goes and this is the first time we hear beef speak yeah and he goes like you're gonna have to get a castrato to yeah. sing this because it's out of my register yeah and and uh <laughs> swan goes you can sing it better than any bitch yeah and like it, i love like the whole
1: beef reacts to that line which
0: is fun yeah he goes like ooh yeah. wasn't expecting that yeah and and he says you don't know how right you are goliath Mm-hmm. Which is a reference to how small Paul Williams is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, his delivery's great. Yeah, his little, like, he, like, rocks back when Paul Williams says, yeah. bitch. Like, yeah. it's pretty good, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I love, I love Garrett Graham. I think he fucking owns this movie for the, like, eight solid minutes he's on screen. Yeah. Like,
1: Well, he's also, he's uh, striding down the thrust and then trips over his shoes. Or Oh, yeah, he's got these big platforms and he, yeah. like,
0: does a pratfall. And then he's, like, doing straight-up comedy of, like, I can't get up in these crazy shoes. Like. Yep. And it's great. It's so yeah. goofy.
1: But yeah, I think he specifically is like, you know, yeah, this was marked for a woman. Yeah, this was something. written for yeah. a lady
0: because originally Winslow wrote it for him to sing, and then he fell in love with Phoenix. So when he was rewriting it, locked in his little fucking moog pod, he wrote it for her. Yeah. But it's, an, it's now beefs. Yeah. Swan says like, do whatever you have to do, make it yours. Like, sing. So, you know, he's like, because we're opening. Like, yeah. you're you're my you're my horse now. And he leaves, and um, Beef's like, did he really mean I can rewrite it? And Philbin goes, like, you heard him. And he goes, uh, he's like, can I change what it's about? And Philbin goes, he's like, nobody cares what anything's about. Who listens to lyrics? Yeah. And as a songwriter, I felt that.
1: hmm There are two kinds of people, man.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I understand the concept of vibe, but I also understand the concept of depth. Yep. And that's all I got to say. So this is when he cask of Amontillado's The Phantom. When Winslow realizes he's been bricked up, he like screams in his like robot voice. Yeah. And everybody hears it and is all creeped out. And Beef is wearing his belt covered in antlers and he's like, I'm getting the hell out of here and uh, Philbin's like, What do you mean why? And he goes, This place is possessed <laughs> Like, I just love all the line deliveries. He's like oh, yeah. really he's really fucking hamming it up. This is when Winslow confronts Beef. Beef is getting a shower.
1: Yeah, well, so Winslow, like, breaks the fuck out of that room. Yeah,
0: we don't see it, but when we no. cut back, the two guards that were posted outside are, like, knocked out, and all the the brick wall has been, like, hulked through. Yep. It's great. I guess he has superpowers. None of this makes yeah. sense. It's great. It doesn't yeah. matter.
1: No, yeah, you're right. It doesn't.
0: And he confronts Beef. It's a very De Palma thing. Like I said, I'm pretty sure he does most of this exact sequence in Blowout, Uh, in the beginning of the movie, when they're watching the shitty, like, Sorority Row horror movie.
2: Yes. It's
0: like a girl in a shower, I think, is part of it. And it's the same trick of, like, the camera is on the other side of a, like, frosted shower curtain, you know? Yeah. And then it goes around to what should be the back of the shower, but the wall's no longer there, so the camera's, like, moving around freely. And it's just, like, it's so cool, and, you know. And then uh, Winslow, like, slices open the shower curtain with a knife, and you think he's gonna, like, straight-up psycho murder beef, but instead he hits him in the mouth of the plunger, and he goes, like... You don't sing my songs. No one sings yes. my songs. I wrote them for her. I wrote them for her. Oh, Only man. Phoenix sings my songs. Anybody else that tries dies. And so then Beef is like peacing out. Yeah. And uh, Philbin catches him on the fire escape and is like, "Where are you going?" And he's like, "I'm out of here. This place is yeah. fucking haunted." Then there is was my mother. You just have stage fright. And he's like, "No, I'm a professional." Yep. You know, he's yeah. like, "I I don't freak out. I don't leave just because I have you know stage fright." He's like, "Can't you feel the vibes in your own house?" Yeah, I loved that. Yeah. So Philbin assumes it's drugs. And uh, Beef says, "I know drug real from real real." And I yeah. was like, "As as a musician, I felt that."
1: But yeah, we see him <laughs> trying to calm down after hearing the scream, and he's like trying to smoke a cigarette and spits it out and puts a pill in and spits it out and does a bunch of cocaine and then goes and yeah. gets in the shower. And so, like, yes,
0: he's trying to even out.
1: Yeah, really sort himself out there. But then there was no sorting out getting uh, attacked with a plunger when you're naked.
0: No, no, nobody likes that. No. Philbin's like here. It gives them some some something, some drugs. Yeah. He's like, this will balance you out. He's like, now get your ass on stage, basically. And then we see the stage show. And it's a big Captain Caligari-type, like, impressionist, black and white, like, uh, asymmetric angles and, like, yep. really eccentric design. The
1: Juicy Fruits slash Beach Bums slash Undeads. Well, now they're the
0: Undeads, yeah. Yeah,
1: are now the Undeads. And they have very, like... It's, it's specifically like black and white makeup with a lot of angles.
0: It's German expressionist fucking it's, face makeup. Yes. Yeah. It is. It's cool If you cool ever see shit. people
1: doing like the pop art makeup, it's kind of like that where it's, you're doing like effects to make it look. Yeah. It's like a little Godspell. Shadows. Yeah. A little like bit. a little bit. Yeah. Or like a little kiss.
0: Sure, yeah. There's a guy six. on stage whose face is like literally half black and half white, like yes. that one shitty alien from Star Trek.
1: Yeah. I thought there were two. Like, I thought two of the band... You know, oh, maybe. One was one way and one was the other way, like...
0: The shitty aliens do. from yeah. Star Trek, yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Specifically, the, the the trio of of The, the band members, yes. yeah. Um, have guitars and a microphone that have like glitter, blades. glittery blades on them.
0: Yeah so this is the thing I'm not sure how much of this is supposed to actually be real and how much is it supposed to be like stagey. Yeah. Because it does look fake as shit and stagey but. Yeah
1: no it looks like they just like spray painted some like the, the foam. Oh
0: I don't even mean how the blade works. Oh okay. I mean are the blades supposed to be real within the world of the movie?
1: No I think they're just supposed to be like stage things for them to be like quote unquote chopping off bodies parts in the audience
0: right but that means they have a an elaborate system they of do. plants
1: yes they have a bunch of plants right at the edge of the thrust from the stage so that they can like is that what be that's hard- called yes when you have a like small platform in front of a stage that actors can walk into the audience on it's called a thrust oh okay i built one for a uh, technical theater oh yeah i
0: never knew that was what that's called
1: so uh, theirs is shaped like a cross pretty sure they just yeah had people specifically placed around the edge of that that they could be like taking an arm here you're saying in the reality of the movie like they
0: had plants in the audience because like it was all part of the show again the way it's presented is not that the way it's presented is like we get camera on like the end of the bass or guitar like swinging this bladed guitar head over the audience and we see a woman reaching out to touch it and then it hits her wrist and then we see like A stage bloody, obviously fake, arm hauled up on stage. At one point they, like, skewer a guy's torso. Yes. And pull that up and throw that up onto the stage. But, like, again, I'm just like, you could tell me that this is supposed to be real in the reality of the movie. And I would would believe it. Yeah. It, It doesn't make sense. And it's totally insane. But... That yeah. doesn't actually matter. No,
1: this. I think it's supposed to look intentionally shitty. I mean, also, like, there's no, like, tempera paint blood, whereas in other stabbing parts of it, there is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I again, for for me, that was all, like, yeah, part of the show. Yeah. Them I'm doing... Sure. You know, yeah,
0: But it's not shot like it is. It's shot like it might be real. Yeah. It's sure. filmed, again, for us yeah because it's not filmed for whatever the fake because we will get into that there's the there's a disappearance of artifice between actual audience us watching it and audience for the show that's being filmed in the movie like that disappears we become them yes at at some point but yeah um so they're, they're doing the song somebody like you somebody super like you yes then beef casket is raised up like frankenstein yeah well
1: so they they show people like sewing together the body parts yeah yeah, yeah. as as part of the stage oh yeah did i not
0: make that clear the body parts are clearly put together to make beef that's yeah
1: yeah yeah beef is the frankenstein yeah
0: um and then he's he's in this casket he's the
1: frankenstein's monster
0: fucking specificity nerds but yeah then his casket gets raised up to the uh you know top of the stage and then as it's being lowered we see the phantom riding on the counterweight being yeah. pulled up into the rafters. Yep. It's a great shot. And then beef climbs out and he's, it's Garrett Graham doing this like incredible, like stiff arm, stiff leg, Frankenstein, like walk and whatever, yep. while also like singing. Yeah. You know, uh, the song is life, life at, at last.
1: Yeah. He's got glittery wounds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where yeah. All the bits were sewn together. Like,
0: and he's in this like a red torn up fucking yeah. stocking outfit. Like it's yep. fucking, it's so good. He's the, it's great. Yeah. And um then the Phantom there's a neon lightning bolt as part of like the stage design. I think there
1: are two, but like yeah, he specifically corrals one.
0: And he throws okay. it, electrocutes beef, everybody assumes it's part of the show and then kinda doesn't care. Yeah. And in a minute we see his body being wheeled out on a gurney and people are still chanting, We want beef.
1: Yeah, which like that I was kinda wondering, like, yeah, are they supposed to like do they think it's still part of the show? Do they not care? That might intentionally be more ambiguous. Sure.
0: Um, My note here is R.I. beef.
1: Mine was that he's roast beef.
0: (laughs) That's good. So then Phoenix (laughs) sings Old Souls. Yeah. Which is great. She does a really great job. It's a great performance.
1: It's one of the more very thematically resonant songs that. Elaborate on that. Because, like, part of the lyrics are talking about, like, we're old souls in this new time and we get new life. So as something that is kind of a an adaptation of an older work, it is these characters getting new life in these new forms.
0: Oh, so it's not even making the uh, subtext text. It's
1: yeah, it's more meta than that. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. Or, no, your read that on was it. my read of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, very, very pretty. It is. Um, it's a good.
0: It's a really good song. All the music in this I mean, is really good.
1: Also important in that scene is that she's singing, and the Phantom has a spotlight that he's training on her. He is putting her in the spotlight.
0: Yeah, he's acting stage crew now.
1: Right, and then also the way he's emoting is very. He's just enraptured by her singing. Oh yeah, it looks great.
0: And it's uh, it's William Finley acting through this big metal fucking yes. mask. Like yeah,
1: it's all the way his head is angled. And how much of his eye you see. Yeah. And his his mouth... Because spoilers, his other eye is all fucked up. Yeah.
0: He looks like the Toxic Avenger. A little bit. Oh, we iris out from that. That's the...
1: Oh, that's fun.
0: Yeah. So the iris out was supposed to be, back in the day, you would would close the shutter on a spotlight. Yeah. You'd narrow... Because you can narrow or widen a spot. Yep. So you would narrow it all the way... And it would plunge the stage in a darkness, and then the curtain would close, and the the performer would like step back.
1: Yeah. So then when we. Were and then doing... when they brought the
0: house lights up, they were no longer on the stage. The curtain was closed, and then they could come out for their bow or whatever. Yeah. So in films, they would do the iris out. As uh,
1: an indicator visually that it was the end of the film.
0: Yeah, and yeah. All, or like the end of the performance, or yes. the end of whatever, and it was, but it sure. was it was taken from that narrowing to nothing of the spotlight. So the fact that the film does an actual iris out instead of using the spotlight to do it, is, like, really fun, because yeah. it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the problem of having fun with film shit. Yeah.
1: Like, Big nerd.
0: And then and now everybody loves Phoenix. Everybody's like, Phoenix, Phoenix! And then yeah. everybody else is like, we want beef! I know he's dead, but we still want him! And then Phoenix makes it abundantly clear she would totally fuck Swan, and he says, we'll go to Swanhenge and celebrate. Swanhenge. That fucking rules. I
1: thought it was Swanage But, yeah, either way, it's that's his house. Yeah. That he originally was holding... Um, oh,
0: man, if it's just called Swanage, that's okay, but not as cool as if he called it Swan yeah. Hinge.
1: Either way. It's, yeah, it's his manse.
0: And Winslow, the Phantom, shows up. Uh, well, he first he pulls Phoenix out onto the roof, and so she can see the corpse of Beef being carried out. Oh, yeah. And that's when he tells her, like, I'm Winslow. I wrote these songs. Yeah. And she's, she's like, like, Winslow's dead. Right. And he's like, no. Like, and I love you, and you're great. Yeah. And I was the one doing the spotlight. And you see? And then we irised out. It was great. And then she rats him out. She's like, the freak who killed Beef is up on the roof, and they send guys up, but he's gone. Yeah, they go to Swan Henge. I, I'm calling it Swanhenge. And Winslow watches them through the, what do you call the that? skylight. Skylight.
1: On the circular bed that he was once in drag on. Right,
0: once one of the harem.
1: Like, seven months ago.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> um, she is, like, fucking all about it. Yeah. Like, it's not like she's like, oh, yeah, I'll uh, fuck this guy for my career. She's just like, I want to fuck this dude. And he's just laying there. Uh And And he he slowly reaches over and he like hits a fucking little, one of those tiny little one. It's like, it's like Dr. Goldfoot in the Bikini Machine, like that one little button. Yeah. And it turns on a, a monitor that shows the feed from a camera that is actively filming what we're seeing, which is Winslow up on the roof watching them fuck.
1: Yeah. It's a camera on the roof. We even get a little pickup shot of the camera pointing down at Winslow watching, watching them, them through the skylight yes. yeah yes so swan is watching winslow watching yeah. swan and phoenix yeah and really getting off on how much it is fucking destroying him yeah and yep.
0: that's that's when uh winslow does like a big old like
1: and, yeah he does and, a lot of screaming in this and yeah. it's good
0: pulls a knife out stabs himself in the chest and, and then keels over right and we're like wow movie is short yeah and then swan just like appears up on the roof and that's when he tells him, like, well, you can't die. Did you not read your contract? His contract uh, terminates with Swan. He tries to stab him and he goes, I'm under contract too. And that's when you're like, wow, this is fucked. Well,
1: there's a newspaper again that shows Phoenix and sort of an outline of Swan with a question mark for his face. And it's announcing that, oh, Phoenix, They're getting married. Yes. Right? They're yeah. getting married and Phoenix is a new starlet and stuff. It's It's furthering that there are no pictures available of Swan.
0: Yeah. He doesn't allow pictures. Yeah. Well, I think the next thing that really happens is the wedding. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. and we get Winslow, he finds a tape of Swan, cuz Swan I guess was like the original fucking VTuber or whatever.
1: He's got a whole room of videos and he finds one labeled contract.
0: Yeah, and he's uh, and I, but I guess Swan was like always obsessed with, you know, filming oh, he, and recording yeah, and the image light. and so he can't bear to age. So he's going to kill himself, but he's recording it for the Swan archives. Yeah. So he's got like, I guess multiple cameras set up because it does cut to multiple perspectives throughout this thing, which I again was like, it seems unlikely, but totally plausible within this crazy reality. But he's got a straight razor. He's sitting in a bathtub Mm -hmm. and he goes like, well, if I, you know, I can't bear to get much older. I'm so beautiful and whatever. And then his mirror reflection goes like, well, maybe you don't have to get older. And he's like, I do what? Yeah. And he says, well, you said you didn't want to get any older, so I'm here now. You summoned me.
1: Reflection also kind of changes where it's got some red light, but his room doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah.
0: um, yeah, so it's doing the unsynchronized reflection thing of, yeah. like, it's talking, he's not moving, it's moving. And then the light changes, and yeah, it's very spooky, spooky supernatural. And it presents him with a contract, and he, he's, like, holding the razor, and he's like, I was going to use this on my wrist. And he goes... I'll well, use it on a contract. Your soul's damned either way. Yep. Cuts his finger and he signs the thing. And then we see.
1: That's where it gets to be picture of Dorian Gray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, oh, was, yeah, yeah. he does know, say you, like. You take a still from this and that will be what ages and you won't. But you have to look at it every day and you can't take any more photos.
0: Yes. That's the reason for the you know? no photos clause. Yep. yep. The next clip on the. He's got like a, like a super cut mm-hmm. clip. I guess he also has signed no other contracts at all because literally the very next one is Winslow. Yeah. Between when he became Swan and now there were no other. And then after that is Phoenix. Cause we saw Winslow. It's just reiterating what we know. Yeah. And then we see Phoenix, which is the thing we didn't see where she's like, she seems kind of fucked up and she's like, Oh baby, come back to bed kind of vibes. And he's like, yeah, sign this contract. And she's like, till death do us part. And he like, you know, pricks her finger like he did with Winslow. And she's like, Ooh, blood! He's like, don't waste it. Sign the contract.
1: So maybe he doesn't have the undead under contract if they're all in one place and who knows? Not... Yeah, who who who,
2: who
0: say? knows? I guess on the same tape is also that he's gonna have her. It's him telling. I guess it's telling Philbin that he's gonna have her assassinated mm. on their wedding night because that would be a huge news story, and you know, blah blah blah. So they're gonna get married, and she's immediately gonna be assassinated by a, a rifle—a guy with a rifle that he paid to be up in the eaves. So, the Phantom is like, "Oh no, my beloved!" And then, man, there's like such a great fucking shot of him like running with this cape.
1: Yeah, the camera is behind, behind him. him. He's running through the paradise.
0: Through the hallways.
1: Yeah. It looks very good. <laughs>
0: it's great. It looks like um, Amadeus. There's like a similar yeah. like, yeah, but it's it's a lot shorter, I think, in yes. my memory. But oh, whew, it's so good. Yeah. This is such a great show. I love yeah. it. It's just him like hauling ass because he's yeah. going to rescue this woman he loves. I think it's Philbin is like, well, why are you going to do that? And he goes, that's entertainment, which of course made me want to listen to the jam. But yeah. uh, <laughs> um, uh... also, Philbin is in a big pope hat. Yes, to do the officiating for the wedding.
1: I mean, what? other had is theatrical for somebody, Oh, not a goddamn you know. one. Yeah. Mailage.
0: So the Phantom does get to the assassin and he, like, hits him just in time to knock the bullet, like, off of trajectory, and it kills Philbin.
1: Yeah.
0: R.I. Philbin. Yeah. Because Philbin with a P, so that works better as a written down joke, but sure. I'm explaining it to you now. R.I. Philbin. All hell breaks loose. So this, this that's final also, thing.
1: That's also my note. <laughs> it is. It's, uh-huh. it's total
0: chaos. um So the whole thing is that swan was having the marriage ceremony which was on the stage at the paradise being filmed by his camera crews so all the footage is from those cameras yes so it's all very like cinema verite like in the action handheld shaky quick cutting cutting around all this different stuff that's presumably all being filmed by these many cameras yeah
1: we're predominantly in the audience but some of them are on stage stage, but we're not like really getting any like bird's eye views or anything no there's not there's not really much
0: directorial stuff about it and occasionally some of the cameras are in the shots yes but they all have the death records logo on the side of them yeah so it like completely erases the filmmaker as as a thing like we're now just the audience we're seeing what the audience within the reality of the movie is seeing yes it's such a great yeah. choice yep and it's incredibly smart as a filmmaker to be like i want this very like chaotic yeah thing, thing and i'm not gonna be able to do that without doing a million very elaborate shots over and over like the same crazy like, like everything because it's, it's, it's not like, like you, hundreds of people
1: yeah i was gonna say it's not like you can't do that kind of stuff you no, know, people do that get, shit all the time, but it's yeah.
0: time and money.
1: Yeah.
0: And right. Because, like, so, Saving
1: Private Ryan has that whole beach scene.
0: Right, but that's also super choreographed. Right. And all that stuff was like, yes. just run wherever, we'll fill, yeah. we'll figure right. it out. Right. It was like, right. no, your ass runs from here to here, and then you got to hit the deck because we got, like, landmines. Yes. Like and, this is and,
1: you know, camera B is going to be swinging around, right. so you can't be in that shot. Right. right. And,
0: like, that stuff's yeah. a lot easier to do over and over. Sure. Because you know exactly what everybody's doing. Right. This is like... I know what eight of the 48 people on stage are doing.
1: Right. And then we I have told them and then right. I told everybody else, uh, wing it.
0: Yeah. 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 Like yeah. you were in a wedding party and now chaos breaks out. So just like scream, run around at one point. Everybody's just dancing. Yeah. Everybody's dancing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's uh, they're just dancing. Yeah. Um, it's like total, it's, it's yeah, just arcade. madness. Yeah. Um, it's great. But like the only way to get that, Either you're going to edit a ton because like oh, I saw one of the camera guys or whatever, or yeah. you put the fucking death records label logo on everything yeah. and all of a sudden all those cameras can be in the shot. Yeah. And it's just like, it's fucking genius. Yeah. It's such a smart decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. The final sequence is my second favorite after the, well, no, I guess it's probably my third favorite. My second favorite is probably beef. Uh so the Phantom swings down on a rope and he pulls this silver mask that Swan is wearing off. He looks like Destro from G.I. Joe.
1: Oh, I said he looked like they live.
0: Well, underneath he looks like they live, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, okay. The mask. Destro okay.
0: Destro has a silver head. He's like a bald guy with a complete silver mask okay. that goes around his whole head. Um
1: didn't watch G. I. Joe.
0: It's fine. Yeah. Um But yeah, so he pulls it off and he's like, I. I so I guess it's That the cameras are on him now. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? That's why he looks fucked up. Because, like, he didn't... Did he set the painting on fire or something yet?
1: Oh, maybe he also did that.
0: Because I couldn't remember if that happened before he stopped the assassin or if it happens, like, right after.
1: I don't remember. I didn't note it.
0: For a minute there, he's just... Paul Williams is just real ugly. And, uh... He's like, look away from me. I'm hideous. But then, the whenever it got lit on fire or whatever, the painting is now like fucking falling apart. So they both, he and and the phantom, both start just bleeding.
1: That's also something that we were informed about when Winslow had the um, knife on the attempted roof. suicide. Yeah, was uh, Swan's like, uh, if I ever do die, that wound's gonna open back up and you'll die too. Yeah, but it's only after I die, right?
0: Yeah. He's like, you, you, you know. You can't die until I die, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So now they're both bleeding out. Well,
1: actually, it's more that, like, at this point, because you've stabbed yourself, you will die when I die. You will die, die. right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fair. And they're both bleeding and screaming on stage uh, to a funk jazz freakout, basically, is what's happening. Yeah. And the music's great. Phoenix... We
1: follow with a camera kind of on the ground as Winslow's, like, crawling with his mask off as he's bleeding. Along the thrust. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you knew that it's called a thrust.
1: Yes phoenix you know sees him and is like oh winslow
0: yeah she comes to her senses finally yeah. and it's like oh you really are winslow and you know i guess maybe now that swan is like dying his hold over her is broken or something because yeah, yeah she sort of so she cradles his dead ass and then we get paul williams performing the song uh the hell of it which is a yep. great song and we get victory lap credits where they're just like Hey, this movie was only an hour and 90 minutes. Do you want to see most of it again? And they just show you all the best shit from the movie for like five minutes while the song plays. And it's great. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we did a little bit more in-depth walkthrough of the plot than I wanted to Uh, initially. I wanted to just kind of do like a bing, bang, boom, and then we could go back. But here we are. Sorry. No, I know. It, we've only done it a hundred times. We'll get it eventually. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you specifically wanted to before we wrap up? Because we kind of are done now.
1: I don't think so. I mean, just to reiterate, the songs in this are good and pretty catchy and pretty fun. Visually, it is just stunning in terms of costuming, in terms of, like, direction and camera movement.
0: Yeah, I have um the, like, Shout Factory, Scream Factory blu-ray
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it just looks incredible
1: yeah
0: uh it's a great i don't i don't know how like you know previous versions might have looked but this is like super crisp yeah um color is great lighting yeah. is great
1: which i mean yeah another trademark De Palma thing is he likes color
0: yeah yeah not afraid of color mm-hmm. thing i wanted to mention two two things one is the uh the credits the opening font credits are like your name in lights style yeah, marquee yeah of, like yeah. Like flashing fucking oh man it's so fucking cool it's such a great mm-hmm. such a great fucking font and and logo like a credit credit that what do you call it, title screen like it's yeah. so good and uh, the other thing was when Winslow initially goes to Death Records it's, I'm you know Winslow Leech and I'm here to have a meeting with Mister Swan yeah he
1: said he'd talk to me and it's been a month
0: it's been a month right and the secretary's like let me check and she like flips through this like card catalog. And she finds his, which has, you know, in death records font, never to be seen. Yeah. Um, and she goes, uh, I think he's in a meeting or whatever. And then she hasn't thrown out. But it's like all the names are like famous, you know, celebrities and shit. And the two that I wrote down were David Geffen. <laughs> and I mean, I guess technically welcome back to the show, Bette Midler. Because mm. um, didn't Bette Midler sing the song from Last of Sheila? Yes. Right. She did. So, um, good pull. Yeah, I guess, I guess technically that's that. But yeah, those are the two that I saw that made me laugh. And I was like, I just love, you know. He's like, hey, who should I put in this Rolodex of the most evil motherfucker? <laughs> Bat Midler, David Geffen. Uh-huh. Yeah, those are the two things that I wanted to mention. But, uh, I mean, I guess one more thing to mention is that the, uh, the Phantom has like black lipstick on. Yes. And all this like big black doubt eye makeup, like you would have to do if you were like a Batman or whatever, where, mm-hmm. you know, to, to make your, you know, mask read better yes. and everything. But he definitely has it on sometimes when they pull the mask up. Yeah. And then other times he doesn't. Like, it's just not supposed to be, you know, like...
1: Well, also sometimes um, in certain shots, like, the makeup is more worn than in others, especially during the undead, uh, like, beefs big number. Yeah. Um, the i th- I think it was i forget who it was, but whoever was like the singer of the group um in certain shots he's got darker eye makeup and then in other shots it's kind of worn around his eye
0: do you mean this this the singer's makeup yes okay yeah D- i mean that's yeah
1: yeah so like i think that that might be continuity issues, sure maybe yeah
0: um but i mean there's definitely scenes where i was like you know, cause I'm trying to like, why would he have like the, the chrome teeth are explained. Yes. But I'm like, why would he have black lipstick and this like makeup? And I was like, is it supposed to be like the vinyl from the record pressing plant? Like, you know, burned into his flesh, but they don't really do that. No. And then, but again, like at one point, uh, I think it's Swan pulls his mask up when he first confronts him mm-hmm. and he's just got all this like Alice Cooper ass fucking eye makeup, like, yeah. these big raccoon circles around his eyes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, That's weird as hell. Mm -hmm. But if it was always there, it wouldn't be weird. It would just be like, okay, it's just what he does because he's like a crazy, the crazy phantom. But then like at the end when the mask falls off, you know, and he's like dying on stage, he doesn't have it. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. And I don't know if there's, if it's supposed to make a kind of sense or if it is just like, eh, whatever, it's whatever.
1: I think also more like artistically, theatrically, like he is supposed to... Yeah, kind maybe look like himself. regained she, his humanity, yeah, and, and she recognizes him, and you know.
0: Yeah, fair. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention, or should we just vote? The,
1: the acting is great. Watching uh, William Finley freak out repeatedly is really funny.
0: The sound in this movie is great. Sound um, is very good. Besides the music, music aside, like you know, all the stuff like him breathing, yeah. Even though it is very Darth Vader, is like it's very tense, yeah. Um, all the stuff with his, like, voice box and everything yeah. is, like, super, um, creepy. It's just, it's very upsetting.
1: Yeah, it starts out, like, very tinny. Yeah. And, like, you know, yeah, electric and fuzzy. Yeah, and,
0: processed. Right. And, yeah, it's very creepy and weird, and I really like it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what is it about the music industry that makes so many people be like, I have to tell a story about how it's the greatest evil that's ever existed. (laughs) Because, like, it's not a a movie about film being corrupted, which would make sense. Sure. You're being like, look at this pure art form that I, you know, care, care deeply about. It's like, no, no, look at this other related art form that I apparently care deeply about as well. Yeah, I don't know. But besides the apple, there's other... Plenty of other movies that are about, like, basically how evil the record industry is. I mean, maybe because no one in the film industry will greenlight a film about how the film industry is fucking corrupt and evil. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We didn't stay through all the credits, but the last credit is like, Hi, this is Brian De Palma. Uh, Music, in this case, is standing in for film. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But it's a very common theme. I guess it's a chicken and the egg. Like, if you're making a musical, it makes sense for the musical to be about music. But you're making a musical film... So couldn't it be a musical about film?
1: Are there any musicals about film? Ah, probably. Because I'm not thinking of any just off the top of my head. Maybe it's hard to... Because, like, I'm also trying to think of, like, filmmakers making films about filmmaking. And, like, Steven Spielberg does it a bit. But a lot of those times it's about filmmaking and something else, usually, you know? Well... Like...
0: Most it's... things need a narrative right. thing that isn't necessarily inherent in just, like... Right. But I'm sure I'm not thinking of, like, several yeah. very obvious examples of, like, making a movie.
1: There are two movies about making a movie.
0: There's Cecil B. Demented. That's a John Waters movie about, oh. like, an avant cinema, like, anarcho-cinema collective. Okay. It's, like, performance art punk filmmakers. Okay. Yeah.
1: So the the movies that I could think of off the top of my head are One Cut of the Dead. Yeah. And uh Zack and Miri make a porno.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Both things I've seen, both yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean I know there's movies about making movies. Oh, American movie. That's a movie about trying to make movies. Like oh, okay. I mean there's a ton of them. Sure. I just I okay. again my brain's not firing on all cylinders, well, so neither
1: you nor I knew that we were gonna get into this part of the conversation. No. no, So no. we're not really well prepared.
0: <laughs> no. I don't know if, if listeners if you can think of examples of other And art being corrupted by commerce films. I'm sure there's a ton that we're just not thinking of. You can email us. You're about to get the email now.
1: I mean, really, anything that does like a behind-the-music pastiche usually touches on the ills of the recording industry and what it can do to people. Sure, but... You know, this certainly has a lot of drug use depicted in it. It's weird that it's PG for that reason, too, because a lot of things have higher ratings for drug use, sexuality, smoking.
0: PG-13 didn't exist until the 80s. Right. Because they looked at this and went, well, it's not R. Yeah. Yeah, do you want to vote? Yes. Okay, go ahead.
1: Oh, I think it's a great watch. What What is left to say? Every part of this is good, and I like it. I recommend it to a lot of people. Even if, like, the style of film is something that you're not entirely sure you're going to be into, there's just such a patchwork of different styles and themes in here that is made into a cohesive whole.
0: That... There's so many genres covered sure. in this. Yeah. Yeah
1: that you're probably going to have some stuff that you dig in there.
0: Yeah, uh, I watch this every couple of years since I first watched it, which was now probably going on like 10 years. Uh, I've watched this like three or four times. It's great every time. This, watching it literally earlier tonight to do this record, probably my least favorite viewing experience because I had to take notes. Yeah. And I couldn't just sit there and soak it all in because it's extremely kinetic, extremely wild. Like, I mean, we've talked a little, it's, you know, this is, this is a vocal only medium we can't, really properly expressed without sounding really pretentious, like, how great it all looks. Like, it's just... There's a couple really standout shots to me, Mm -hmm. but uh, none of it is like, oh, the composition is as such. It's just the moment it's the manic nature of what we're seeing just like the craziness the inventiveness of shot choice and and like like i said he uses a fucking fisheye lens so like lens choices lighting like all these things when beef gets electrocuted it does like a weird strobe kind of effect where they it looks like he just removed some frames of film Mm -hmm. and it's just like it's so interesting and it's like a film class in an hour and a half you can learn so much. I mean, I you know, I'm a big fucking De Palma simp or whatever, and I, mean, I don't know. Me too. I don't know if that's a popular or unpopular opinion. I just every time I see a De Palma movie, I go like, it's the fucking meme of you know this is cinema, you know like. Right. I just go like, fuck, this is like a this is like such a movie. Like hook it to my goddamn veins. Yeah. He's got a better track record than a lot of directors with that specific feeling for me. Right. You know, there are other people that have made better movies than yes. anything De Palma's made. No, but... But they've done one or two of them, and then a lot of stuff, it's fine.
1: Right. He regularly is, you know, and again, it's his same, like, bag of tricks, but he keeps doing it in new and inventive ways with different, you know, plots and characters and moods.
0: Yeah, him, like, I don't know how much we talked about it, I don't remember on Blow Up, but, like, he has a very... Famous kind of origin story for how he decided he wanted to be a filmmaker and it involves following his father downtown because he was, you know, he knew his father was having an affair and he wanted to film it so that his mother had proof, I believe is how it goes. And that exact thing is in so many of his movies. But every time it does, it none of it ever feels repetitive uh, as a story can see.
1: Yeah, that is actually a big theme of yeah voyeurism. Yeah,
0: even even divorced from like the specifics, voyeurism is in most of his films. Yeah, in a way that, but like, never feels like oh, we're back at it again. It's the same old thing. Like it doesn't ever feel tired. No. And the same thing with, you know. No, cause doing he's always
1: a... trying to find different nuances for it.
0: Yeah, and doing a split screen or doing yeah. the split, you know, uh, depth of field shots, like things like that, like, they, it never feels like, oh, I've seen him do that, I've seen this before. He always yeah. does it in a different way. Right. You know, or yeah. it feels different. Like, there's a lot of split screen. I mean, uh, like, most of his movies have it. Like, it's not, yeah. I'm not making a joke when I say, like, this is this is his fucking move. Yeah. But, like, they uh, feel different.
1: did uh, we in the Redding Terminal Market?
0: Yeah. I think so. I think that's where it is. Yeah. I know it's in Carrie. It's in the finale of Carrie.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, and, I it's... mean, those
1: have very different feelings. You
0: no, know, and in Snake Eyes, it's in Snake Eyes a couple of times, and it's, like, that's a movie that's, like, pretending it's real time. I don't know if it technically actually is, but it's, sure. like, playing in, at certain points, it's playing in the idea of, like, this is all happening at once. So it does a lot of that to show, like, multiple things happening. Yeah. Yeah, they they I always feel different. They're always yes. used to different effects, and yeah. Uh, just yeah, I don't know. We just watched um, Body Double. First time I saw Body Double, yeah, and yeah. I like had a blast with that movie. Yeah, and that's a movie that's like satirizing Hollywood to like a serious degree. And we always talk about you know, and it's a, a De Palma thing that he loves Hitchcock, and Body Double is like two or three Hitchcock movies like yeah. smashed into one, while then also being like. Yeah, this like very barbed criticism of Hollywood and and the personalities that that necessitates. But it's also fun to watch. It doesn't feel preachy. It's like a great, interesting story. And despite being shot in like cities that we've seen films be shot in hundreds of times, like almost every location felt interesting. You know they're at the, like the the L A reservoir and I'm like I know I've seen movies set at the L A reservoir but there's a bunch of shots in it where I'm like that's a great shot I don't think I've ever seen that like Frank. he just like he's he's got a great eye for you know composition and things and making things stand out and feel unique and that translates into the whole film not just the visuals like right he yeah he takes things that you're like yeah yeah, yeah. oh the reservoir we've seen the reservoir but it's like I haven't seen this like I don't know and every time almost every time I watch a De movie I'm like fuck that was great like oh boy it's like electric
1: yeah hate to keep going back to blowout, but like it's parts of the city that i grew up in that i know very intimately in a way that i haven't ever seen depicted on film yeah like that like the um the finale of that is like at penn's landing yeah i know specifically like the area that it's shot in and walked around it and it doesn't look like that when i do it because he was specifically capturing like this moment in a certain way with a certain angle yeah it it really changes like the architecture of the space yeah you know
0: yeah it's incredible i mean like i mean listen to that episode we love that movie too like but yeah no this is a great watch this is do i like it better than blowout
1: they're different
0: they're very different they could honestly could not be less similar right really but just, like, as two works that I like from the same director, like, do, do I like this more than I probably do. It's more fun. I definitely liked it more the first time I saw it than I liked Blowout the first time I saw that. Right. But Blowout has definitely grown on me, and I like that it's such a fucking down-ending, and I really like the character. There's more character in Blowout. It's a movie with actual characters in it. Mm-hmm. This is archetypes at best.
1: Yes. They're actually both adaptations, but
0: yes as i have cut out numerous times allison keeps saying blow up which is the uh antonioni film yes uh that blow out is based on yes um inspired by maybe yes. his... which
1: i'm pretty sure we mentioned in the episode
0: yeah we had we had, had, had we watched it then or have we both watched it or did, we, did we watch it af- I, I think we watched it I after
1: i think i watched it after i don't know about you yeah but uh yeah i hadn't seen blow up but then I did watch and I was like, oh, I kind of love this too. Yeah. It is.
0: It's great. And yeah. it's very different.
1: Yes. So this is also an adaptation, but it's something that was, I think, adapted more and therefore yes, has definitely. more like, you know, baggage behind it or like,
0: you know, there's more, more cultural more, familiarity yeah, and sure. stuff, which I is a, yeah. you know, a blessing and a curse, I guess yeah. It your characters are, you know, or the archetypes are more familiar with audiences. So yeah. you don't need to explain them as much.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and you and can have more fun with like, he whips out a big contract and you kind of, right. It's like the kind of elbow nudging that I don't mind, where you're like, oh boy, I know what this is.
1: Yeah, yeah. like his Phantom's styling is very striking and unique, but the emotion behind it isn't necessarily anything new.
0: Yeah. I mean, whichever one you decide you like more, they're both fucking phenomenal movies. Yeah. Yeah, so double great watch.
1: Yeah, if you haven't seen it. Yeah, check it out. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I guess that's it. Thank you, Allison, for uh, watching this and then still deciding at like 10 o'clock at night that you yeah sure let's go record whatever yeah, fuck it but yeah we had like we each had a whole last day separately before this and then we watched this movie and we took notes and instead of putting it off for another day and doing it allison was like yeah let's just go fucking do it so now we are just like cool spent but thank you for doing this um yeah, thank you. i love talking about this movie i hope uh hope people that may not have uh heard about it or not have checked it out will or maybe you have heard about it but weren't sure if you want to and hopefully we made you want to check it out cuz I can't recommend it enough um yeah. yeah if you like 70s like it's it's all the music in it is like pastiche stuff for the most part but it has like it's just is such a good vibe throughout the whole thing of the era yeah um and it's just like it's a blast to watch so um, thanks for listening. You can visit our link tree. It's L I N K T R dot E slash H W G W. And that's where to find us on social media for as long as we're on any of them. It's where to contact us, where to find the uh, new episodes on moviejohn.com and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can also find uh, Tina's link tree is linked on our link tree and our link tree is linked on Tina's link tree. So you can just keep clicking links around and around and around and around. And you can get new episodes from us every other Wednesday. That's every, every other Wednesday. Wednesday on moviejohn.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Consider being a patron of the arts, by which I mean the Movie John Patreon, which is patreon.com slash moviejawn. And again, what do you get out of it? The satisfaction of knowing that you're helping keep something that you maybe even kind of like in the world and make it easier for the people making it to make it. But also, you do get a lot of other bonus stuff. Yeah. And more all the time. And we're working on more and more and more and more things that are fun and interesting. Movie John's
1: a whole collective, so it's not just us making stuff. Oh, yeah, no, no. It's a bunch of other people also doing stuff. It's way more people than us. Yeah, and the quality is good, and the frequency is frequent.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We are probably the worst thing on there. Mm. So if you like us, you're going to love the rest of it. Because it's actually good. It's -er. (laughs) good-er. We recently added at least one new podcast. I'm pretty sure by the time this drops, there will be two, but I'm not 100% sure. So I can say that we recently added Dream with Mind and Heart, which is Ryan from Movie John uh, and a friend of his name, Megan, covering all the films of Disney chronologically. Yeah. Um, starting with the short films and then um, as of like this recording, they've just started you know digging into the animated features and stuff, but... Um, he's got a whole fucking thing lined up where he knows he wants to do all of it. Uh, it's a very ambitious thing, and it's really cool. I listened to the first episode, and I really liked it. Maybe check it out well, or one
1: know. of the several other podcasts that have already been around that maybe you've seen, like on on the movie John. Yeah, with, yeah, with, we've been here with us. Yeah,
0: we are old Kentucky Shark, and we have been here. <laughs> this is episode one hundred and ten.
1: No, but I'm saying, like, also, like, there have been other podcasts on Movie John. There continue to be other podcasts on Movie John. Yeah, and
0: And there will always be podcasts on Movie John. Probably. Movie John will outlive us all. The last thing that the last uh, microbe in existence will see is an article I wrote.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Comparing uh, Harry and the Hendersons with King Kong. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. This this happens all the time. We get to the end of the episode, and Allison starts riffing out of nowhere. Like she can see me being like, I'm just gonna cross these ribbons here, make a little X, make a couple of loops, about to tie this bow, and she's like a bebop, doo-dab, doo-dab, doo. dab doo dab i am trying to put a nice little bow on the end of this, and she's like. Mambo fair. number five! And I'm like, why are you doing Lou Bega now? It's time to end the show. To be
1: fair, I also do this when we're going to bed.
0: <laughs> yeah, this this is true. Anytime I was like, all right, well, good night. And she's like, hey, 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 let's list horse names or whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to sleep. Nathan. Nathan. Nathan horse? Nay. Nathan. Nathan. Got it. Yeah. Well, on that joke. <laughs> what what better let's Colton. Colton
1: john mayer
0: that's pretty good actually Uh j edgar hoofer
1: yes see you wanted bits here's your bits it's it's
0: a horse bit at the end (laughs) literally just
1: cut it and put it at the front now you have your front bit
0: even now we don't have an ending well goodbye
1: goodbye thanks for hanging out with us
0: Thanks, we're sorry for all the horses.
1: <laughs> <laughs> goodbye horses. Oh, goodbye horses. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. 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 That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Just hit the button.
0: Is he the one with the curly hair? I think so.
1: I don't know. Either that or the other one.
0: Hunter's looking up what our Garfunkel looks like. Yeah, I was right. Mm -hmm. It's good. My joke lands. Otherwise, I was going to have to redo it. I was going to (laughs) redo it and be like, pretend it's funny. This has been a Movie John podcast.